all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, where we discuss issues involving your children as they're growing up. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC and Program Director of the MedPeds Residency Program. Well, summer is here in the South. The kids are going to be out of school or maybe already out of school with vacation plans and outdoor activities. How can you make this summer a safe one? Today, we'll be talking, uh, taking your questions and giving you some ideas about how to do just that. You can share your comments and questions with us this morning by calling 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or send an email to kids at mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens from MPB Think Radio. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. President Trump is pressing members of NATO to pay more for their defense. During a ceremony in Brussels, the president said 23 of the 28 member nations were not paying what they should. Not fair, he said. The president also used the occasion to ask for a moment of silence for the victims of this week's terror attack in Manchester, England. And as NPR's Tamara Keith reports, to pledge to crack down on leaks. One of the side issues heading into this NATO gathering had been that the U.K. was concerned about American law enforcement leaking out information about the Manchester bombing investigation. British intelligence was coming out in the U.S. press. Well, President Trump put out a written statement saying that he's asking the Justice Department and other relevant agencies to launch a complete review of the matter. And he says, if appropriate, the culprit should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. NPR's Tamara Keith in Germany, former President Barack Obama received a warm welcome at an event to mark the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. Esme Nicholson says tens of thousands gathered at the Brandenburg Gate to hear Obama speak with Chancellor Angela Merkel. Merkel is meeting two American leaders today, Obama in Berlin and his successor, President Donald Trump, in Brussels for meetings with NATO and the EU. Organizers of the German church event say the timing is coincidental. Merkel, who is running for her fourth term in September's general election, has drawn criticism from her political opponents for taking to the stage with the former president, who praised her today as one of his favorite partners. Chancellor Merkel has done outstanding work, not just here in Germany, but around the world. As crowds cheered both leaders, Merkel looked relaxed. Her popularity ratings are up against those of her challenger, Martin Schulz. For NPR News, I'm Esme Nicholson in Berlin. House Speaker Paul Ryan's reacting to the Congressional Budget Office finding that an estimated 23 million people will lose health coverage by 2026 under GOP legislation to repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act. Ryan says the CBO report actually affirms Republican goals. What I'm encouraged by is the fact that CBO said, yes, we hit our budget target and then some. So the bill is clearly in in compliance with um, 
reconciliation instructions. Ryan also condemned an altercation between a Republican congressional candidate in a special election in Montana and a journalist last night. Here's NPR's Don Gagne. A strange ending to this special election campaign in Montana when Ben Jacobs, a reporter for The Guardian newspaper, entered a room where Republican Greg Gianforte was about to do an interview with local TV. Jacobs ended up flat on the ground with broken glasses. The campaign says the reporter started it and was the aggressor, but police gave the candidate a citation accusing him of misdemeanor assault. Gianforte has been considered the frontrunner in a tightening race against Democrat Rob Quist. Don Gagne, NPR News, Helena, Montana. This is NPR News. Hunger strikes in Japanese immigration detention centers are over, according to an advocate for the detainees. From Tokyo, John Matthews reports roughly 100 people participated in the strikes protesting poor conditions in the facilities. The strikes began with 22 people in Tokyo growing to 70 and then 100 before it ended after two weeks due to deteriorating health among strikers. Treatment of detainees received some extra attention in March when a Vietnamese man killed himself in solitary confinement and many have cited poor medical care in detainment centers. But the issue appears to slip under the public radar more often than not. Japan has a very racially homogenous society. Data is unclear on the issue, but it's suggested that more than 95% of the population is part of the dominant ethnic group. Its government only accepted 28 refugees in 2016 of more than 10,000 applicants. Half of the strikers are said to have applied for refugee status. For NPR News, I'm John Matthews in Tokyo. The president of Brazil is withdrawing an order for a military deployment in the capital. Michel Temer was poised to send in 1,500 troops to restore order following clashes between police and thousands of protesters who were demanding the president's resignation. But he revoked the order, saying unrest was over. There may be hope for America's honeybees. An annual government survey finds that beekeepers experienced their lowest winter loss since the survey was launched in 2006. Lost 21 percent of their colonies over the winter, which represented an improvement from the previous year. The government's goal is to keep bee losses under 15 percent over the winter. This is NPR. Support for NPR comes from Blue Vine, offering businesses revolving lines of credit to help them grow and expand. Credit lines up to $100,000. Small business credit help is available at bluevine.com and Americans for the Arts at americansforthearts.org. This is Southern Remedy, Kids and Teens with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, kids at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy, Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC and Program Director of the MedPeds Residency Program. While the sun is out, it's finally, it's warm outside, really nice today. If you can get outside and uh, enjoy that, I'll be going back to the hospital after this. Uh, But school is finally winding down. Summer is almost here What are some of the things that could possibly derail all that fun that you have planned with your family? Today, we'll be discussing how you can have a safe summer 
And joining us in that discussion is Dr. John Bridges today. As usual, we'll be taking your questions and comments. We would love to hear from you. And if you have any other health question about the health of your family, then feel free to call us this morning by calling 1-877-MPB-RING. That's one 672 Or you can email us at kids at mpbonline.org. Dr. Bridges, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for coming in today with us. I'm glad to be here. So Dr. Uh, Dr. Bridges is one of uh, my uh, MedPeds residents, and uh, I'm going to let him sort of introduce himself to say where he's from and sort of uh, how he got to this place uh, in his training. Sure. I, uh, I grew up all over the place, moved around a bunch when I was a kid, but I graduated high school in Houston, Texas, right outside of it, actually, uh, and then went to undergrad there and... and Met a girl and chased her to Mississippi. She's a it's always about yeah. a girl. That, know, the story's right? always about a girl, right? Um, but yeah, uh, so I came over here. I taught for a couple of years um, in Northwest Mississippi, and then came to Jackson for medical school and now residency. So, so uh, any summer plans that you have? I love summer. Um, I love being outdoors, uh, especially when the weather's nice like it is today. Um, some yard work is always on the docket, uh, but I like running and biking and playing with my dogs outside. So anytime I can get outdoors uh, during this time of year, I do. You know, the the weather, of course, you know, if you compare us to the rest of the nation, particularly northern uh, latitudes, uh, we certainly have a lot more opportunities to do things year round. But there is nothing like that. Uh, you know, yesterday when I walked outside, here's the worst part. You know, you walk outside if your job entails being inside a lot, which mine does, ours, both of ours do. Uh, and then you walk outside and you realize, oh, my goodness, this is such a beautiful day. I would love to be doing something outside uh, to enjoy all this weather. Of course, a lot of things come with that. A lot of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, good and bad things at the same time when the weather warms up, particularly in the south a lot of pollen counts that are pretty high right now, particularly grass pollen. So if you have seasonal allergies, you're allergic to those kinds of things. It can be miserable, even though it looks great and it feels great outside. So we're going to be talking about summer safety today and some of the things that can ensure that you have fun this summer, because that's important. Uh, and, you know, when you start talking about safety issues, uh, sometimes we can, even parents can just sort of turn that off uh, in their mind, but it's so important. You know, th- safety does not matter until something bad happens to you. And then all of a sudden you think in retrospect, oh my goodness, why didn't I take some safety precautions about that? And, you know, thankfully, most of those uh, things that come up um, aren't that bad, but can be preventable. And so we're going to be ta- talking about a lot of those things that people just sort of take for granted, uh, but, you know, really don't think about it. But if you have any other questions or comments about uh, any kind of health issue in your family, uh, particularly if it's your kids or teens, give us a call today. We would love to hear what questions you have and try to take a stab at some free medical advice for you and your family. You can give us a call this morning at one eight seven seven mpb ring that's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or you can send us an email to kids at mpbonline dot org. So you know, one of the best places to start a discussion about summer safety is in the home. You think about outdoor activities, but really, there's a lot of things in our homes, and not just our homes, but where we're going. So all those different places that you go, whether that's a hotel, whether that's staying with extended family or friends that you go visit, you know, you got, you got to think about what kind of things are in there. And 
what are the ages of your children or the children that will be coming into your house? I know, you know, we have some really good friends who they have a very young child and uh, most of the rest of our kids are, are older. They're teenagers. And some of the things that you normally uh, you know, you sort of forgotten about all the safety issues, all the plugs in the outlets and all that kind of thing. Uh, but you got to think about those other kids that are going to be different ages that might be more at risk for some of those things. Uh, one of the most important things to think about, and we've talked about this uh, in a number of different programs, uh, is graded responsibility. So, you know, different ages of children, you have to think about, okay, what can I trust them with? Um, most adolescents aren't sticking their finger in a, in a, you know, an outlet unless that involves some type of game or, uh, that they're doing. And then there's other issues with that. But, you know, if you have younger kids, you want to do, that's one of the things, uh, lots of other things in the home that can be dangerous. So you really want to child proof that house. Or if you go somewhere else, I know a lot of people will, uh, stay at, uh, sort of, uh, rental homes and depending most, most of the time they do a good job of putting all those kinds of things up that you need to, but that, that may be something that you do first off is sort of go through those, those homes or cabins or wherever you're going to try to make sure there's not anything that's going to derail all that fun. So some of the things that you think about, uh, household cleaners. So we see a lot of, damage uh, from household cleaners, particularly with younger kids, toddlers, uh, that really they don't know any better. It looks like something that's good to drink. Oftentimes it's in a very colorful bottle uh, or the liquid in it is a different color. If you think about the things that are different colors that we give kids that are safe, you know, they're usually juices or some type of uh, Kool-Aid or that kind of, you know, that kind of uh, drink. So when they see that, they don't really uh, know that it's not something to drink. They may think, hey, that's some that's some nice blue uh, stuff that I need to drink. So one of the things that we always uh, tell our, our families is how to do that. You know, how, how would you go about, you know, if you had a young family just to tell them about where to safely store those types of household cleaners? Yeah, that's a great question. So when uh, parents ask me about, you know, safety-proofing or baby-proofing a house, I typically recommend that they get on the level of their child and and by that i mean that's a great uh that's a great suggestion yeah if they're on all fours uh if the kid is crawling around on all fours try to get on that level and look at what's at eye level Uh, and so something like household cleaners that maybe before you had kids you stored under the sink uh that is prime time for you know once we learn how to open a cabinet that's what we're going to want to do uh, you know, that kid's going to want to do. So putting latches um, or locking those things up, really moving them to a higher elevation uh, is probably the best thing to do there. You just really have to remember that kids are, you know, love exploring their environment and that's how they learn and experience new things. So they're going to get into whatever they can. Uh, so you have to kind of play a preventive game there. You know, a toddler views the house uh, and as an unexplored hide-and-seek game. So they want to go, they want to know where everything is, and particularly if there's something that's new. Uh, that's great advice, though, of getting down on their level. And and uh, if your spouse is doing that, you can, you can videotape them doing that <laughs> and put that on YouTube and uh, possibly make a lot of money off of that. Um, the other thing, you know, you mentioned, like, getting those household cleaners out of the way. It's amazing the stories, or with my own kids, seeing what they can do. They're so industrious with where they can get to. Uh, They can build elaborate ladders 
or a system uh, where they can climb on top of things to get into areas. So, you know, don't just think, okay, because they're uh, two feet tall that they're not going to be able to uh, get into something that's eight feet off the ground because they will do it, Uh, particularly my youngest child, the climber, uh, has had an amazing ability to do that inside and outside the house. Um, so household cleaners are one of the big ones. And, you know, particularly uh, Drano is a bad one uh, mm-hmm. because of the way it does damage in the body. And we see way too many kids in the pediatric ER that come in from ingestions. And, uh, again, thankfully most of those do okay, but there's there's been some bad outcomes with that. Tell particularly uh, like cleaners and type of thing, products that you use in the garage too. Mm-hmm. Um, with older kids, I know a lot of folks will reuse old containers uh, to put, you know, motor oil or uh, antifreeze, what have you, and store it that way. But um, to an older child that may say, hey, this Pepsi bottle looks like it's got uh, Pepsi in it, you know, and they take a swig and it's something that's caustic or harmful to them. Uh, just making sure you keep stuff in the right right types of containers and then disposing of them properly uh, is another way to prevent anything like that from happening. Yeah, absolutely. I know I've, I've been sort of guilty in my mind doing that. I just got a kayak kit, and I was mixing up some epoxy and then cleaning it with some acetone, which is a, a you know an industrial solvent. And uh, I had the acetone in the appropriate container, metal containers, sealed, everything. But then I'm looking around at where I, what I can what can I use to put my brush in that, uh, and of course what I saw was a plastic nukes cup, and I thought perfect. And then I thought, wait a minute, I may not want to do that. Uh, you know, animals too. I mean, you have to think about the animals around. Um, certainly, we want to prioritize kids and teens. But you're right, just because they're a teenager, I mean, I've seen teenagers pick up. It doesn't matter if there's like a a liquid in a glass or a cup, they're going to go for it. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. We're talking about household safety as a part of our summer safety program, how to make your summer the safest one so that you can enjoy it this year. We would love to hear from you this morning with any kind of concerns that you have about safety or any other health problem uh, that's just burning on your mind. You can give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email us at kids at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back after this break. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. Hey, y'all, it's Felder Rushing. I'm the Gestalt Gardener, and I am so pleased to join y'all every week talking about gardening. You know, you don't have to be anybody or join anything to be part of this party. All we're going to do is talk about gardening and garden-related stuff and maybe a little psychology working in at the same time. Let's have a lot of fun on the Gestalt Gardener. Fridays at 9 and Saturdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. 
This is Southern Remedy, Kids and Teens, with Dr. Jimmy Stewart. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call one 877 ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can email the show, kids at mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. This is Dr. Jimmy here with Dr. John Bridges, and we're talking about summer safety, how you can be the safest this summer since you've got a lot of opportunities to do some things. We'd love to hear from you this morning if you have any specific questions about summer safety. That can be anything outside, inside, whatever, or if you have any health questions about your kids or teens, you can give us a call this morning at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's one 672 7464 or you can email us at kids at mpbonline.org. So we're talking about things in the house. So summer begins in the house because kids are going to be at home for a lot more, uh, a lot more time than they have been in a lot of situations, and they may not be supervised uh, as much as they were. And now, a lot of people will ask about that, too. What's the optimum age for a child to supervise a younger sibling and uh, you know, that's so variable. It depends on a lot of different things. I can remember there's 10 years difference between my sister and myself. So I was given the duty, you know, usually my mom was very protective of both of us. So I remember, you know, about 11, maybe, or 12, she she let me uh, keep her for three or four hours, which at that time, uh, that's about all I wanted to keep her after that. <laughs> um but uh, no, I, I love my sister. But she, you know, that's that's a hard question to ask. But generally, they need to know a lot of safety features if they're going to be doing that. Who do they need to call? Uh, what are some of the things they need to watch out for? Um, that's and, and you have a lot more access to that than you used to. So what about insecticides? Too, there's other things besides household cleaners. Insecticides, alcohol, if you have it in the house. I mean, those are things that you want up in the same manner that you would want all those cleaners too, right? That's right. Yeah, you need to lock those things up um, and kind of model appropriate behavior with those things as far as, you know, teaching your kids that when you're accessing those, why you're accessing them, what you're doing with them. Um, Insecticides in particular, uh, especially younger kids, just have so much skin that if they roll around in something like that that can be absorbed uh, through the skin, it can cause cause some worse effects than if it were to just, you know, brush on you when you're using it in the yard as an adult. Um, anything like that. So storing those properly out of reach, ideally in some sort of locked location, uh, is is the best way to prevent anything bad from happening there. Yeah, we don't we don't think about insecticides as as being absorbed through the skin or through your clothes that have been exposed to them too. But that's an important point for some of those. They're absorbed really well through the skin, so you have to have you have to be very protective. And sometimes you don't you don't know that. Um, uh, and then firearms are another one because kids are going to have more time in the house. If you do have any type of gun in the house, uh, you want to uh, keep that locked. Um, you know, for older kids and teens, uh, you want to make sure that they they don't know how to open that, uh, that they're not just going to get it in and out. Uh, gun safety programs are important uh, to teach everybody in the family about about the safety of that. And yeah, probably not a good idea to keep loaded firearms in there either. So your ammunition needs to be separate uh, from those. And yeah, I realize for a lot of people that's a you know you may have a firearm. Maybe that's something that your family gave to you. Um, you know, sort of a, a, a family heirloom 
but uh, you may not have the money for a gun safe, but there's a lot of options out there to, to try to keep those locked up, if at all possible. Let's go to Mackenzie in Madison, who has a question about swimming lessons. Good morning, Mackenzie. Are you there, Mackenzie? Yes, I am. Sure. Thank, thanks for calling in. What was your question? Well, I just wanted to uh, see what your thoughts were on swimming lessons for toddlers and when should they start it, how often, and just, you know, what you think about it. Sure. Yeah, that that brings up uh, a good segue into what we're going to talk about with water safety. Um, so, you know, the um, swimming lessons are important. You know, it's always if you have a child that doesn't know how to swim and they get in a situation where they're in uh, in water uh, that's and it doesn't have to be over their head. It can be, you know, just a few inches of water. It always helps to have, if they're going to be in deeper water, though, uh, or around it, that they need to have some sense of swimming lessons. Um, so two things about swimming lessons. Age-appropriate swimming lessons. I know a lot of people are big advocates of, of teaching babies to swim. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's some, if you look at the evidence behind that, uh, it's, it's certainly not unsafe, but it, it's, you know, you still need to have, the flip side is if your child knows how to swim, uh, it, that is not 100% safe. So um, I, would, I would recommend for a toddler uh, to get a reputable, you know, swimming lesson, somebody who has a lot of experience with that. There's a lot of good programs out there. Uh, you know, I know in the Jackson area, Maley's and several others, the Y, I mean, they have a lot of different programs that are good that have a, again, age-appropriate way that they introduce kids to the water. Even if you have older kids, though, it's very important. I would I would personally advocate that they, you know, participate and get swimming lessons, if at all possible, if you can do that, uh, just to allow them to be comfortable in the water and know some some basic things about safety should they get into trouble. Do you think it's important to repeat it? You know, yeah, absolutely. So often people just have it one summer and right, and they don't do it. They forget. They don't yeah. do it any any other time. Yeah, that's a good point because uh, you know a lot of people there. Maybe they'll swim a couple of times. They're not going to have access to a pool a whole lot. And then you go. It's just like any other learned activity. If you don't do it repetitively, uh, you're not going to. You know, everybody says, "Well, it's just like riding a bike, right?" Well, not really. And even if you ride a bike, I mean, if you're not on a bike for a year or two. And then you get back on it. That's a big deal. Uh, yeah. So it, yeah, I would I would recommend maybe a refresher course in that uh, to sort of get there, get get the you know just the feel of the water again, um, uh, particularly if they've been out of it for months at a time. But yeah, okay. repetitive ones are fine, even if they're a strong swimmer. There's nothing wrong with that, particularly in the water. Okay. Yeah, All right. Well, thank you so much. Sure. Thanks for calling. Great question. Okay, so, you know, the, the, we should just we should talk about water safety. What are some other th- other things, it, particularly if you have a pool at your house, that you want to make sure that it's safe? So, I think the most important uh, part of having a pool on your own property is having it fenced off correctly. Um, having a fence around it that is just around the pool uh, and isn't connected. That there's you know only one way in, one way out. That uh, ideally only parents um, or older kids can get in and out of uh, is important because the last thing you want is, you know, a small child toddler uh, to remember how much fun they had at the pool yesterday with, when their parents were there. And then the next day when they're find themselves in the backyard on their own head straight for the water. 
um, and, you know, take a tumble in there without any help uh, close by. Uh, so having a fence, uh, having it completely border the pool and having a fence that's not scalable, that they can't climb up easily. Uh, so, you know, steel rod uh, type fences are probably the, the safest. And that's a lot different from like a chain link fence that they could easily get over. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so you want a barrier to that water. And that also includes if you're coming out of your back door and you do have a fence around your pool, but you have access through that back door. That's not really as safe. Right, right. Uh, you just don't know who's going to wander in there. Your own kids may go out there. And it's never a uh, substitute for direct supervision. Uh, having somebody who's out there, preferably an adult, that, uh, that can, you know, step in if something goes wrong, uh, that's that's important to have somebody there. Right. And the same thing with swimming lessons, right, is that that certainly helps a child uh, know how to be safe in the water, but it is no substitute for uh, someone responsible and able to help them if the need arose uh, to be nearby and paying attention. Yeah, and flotation devices are important, too. Uh, we always, you know, we always have questions in the clinic about that, um, about what's appropriate, certainly the water wings or the floaties, we know now we got a lot better than what they used to be. The, the old ones that you put on the arm and then blew up, uh, you know, if they if you didn't get them as high up the arm as you as you could, they could still, you know, and and depending on the age of the child too, they didn't really keep them afloat. Um, and now we have more of the vest, the ones that actually help to uh, to support the neck and the head above the water level. Um, PFDs or the old you know life jacket term personal flotation device, those are rated for both the weight of the child and the age of the child. So if you're doing anything in the water, you want to make sure you're using appropriate ones. And there are laws about that, particularly in some areas that you want to be, uh, that, that help to encourage that, particularly if you're going to be on a boat or in the water. But a flotation device in your own pool is great, something you can throw in the water that that child or adult can uh, hang on to and, uh, and get to the side. We're talking about summer safety this morning. We'd love to hear your questions or comments. You can reach us this morning at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can email us at kids at mpbonline dot org. So, speaking of water, so you got a lot of beaches too, right? So I'm looking forward to later in June, uh, coming right up uh, next week. So. Uh, uh, going to the beach for a little bit of time, and then again in uh, in July. So, you know, beaches are a whole other thing. We've got great access here in the south to the Mississippi Gulf Coast and the other uh, states around us, uh, uh, beach areas. Uh, certainly Florida's right there, uh, Alabama coastline. Lots of lots of places. We got, I don't want to leave out Texas, uh, Texas beaches. Thanks. I mean. <laughs> so uh, lot, lots of different things that we can go to. Yeah, what's different about the beach as opposed to a pool? Uh, so there are a lot of things that are different. You've got, um, you know, you're in a natural body of water. Uh, so just, you know, beaches, rivers, anything with a current um, is a whole other ballgame. A kid that can swim great in a pool, uh, you know, has... It's just a whole other ballgame dealing with other forces. Um, so that just means you need to be uh, cognizant of that, be aware of it, and, and take the right precautions. When you're in a body of water that moves like that, especially in rivers, near boats, things like that, having those personal flotation devices or life jackets and having the appropriate grade um, and type of those is really important. And then uh, another thing that the beach or rivers bring along is that you're, you're out in the wilderness. Uh, you know, it may not feel like that, but there are animals critters, uh, sharp objects, 
all sorts of uh, things that you just need to be aware of. Having a good pair of water shoes uh, is never a bad idea for a kid when they're running around playing. You don't want uh, their fun to be ruined by a gash on the bottom of their foot or anything like that if they hit a sharp rock. Yeah, a lot of the, you know, people, if you get a cut or a scrape, there's so many other things in warm bodies of water. So generally there's some different types of bacteria and, uh, you know, uh, protozoa. So those are small organisms, not quite to the level of bacteria or viruses, a little bit bigger, but you can't really see them well. Uh, and sometimes those can cause a lot of damage. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of things in the news the last few years about uh, infections with amoeba. Uh, that can invade into the into the brain tissues through the nose. Uh, you know, warmer wa- bodies of water are at least somewhat of a risk for that. Um, but the biggest risk is probably what you do in those. So I know a lot of people love jumping in. Uh, you know, to a to a river, a stream, and you may not be able to you know see what's there. Certainly, you can't see under the water most of the time in most of those. Uh, I remember, I had a buddy of mine who loved to jump off a bridge uh, in the Okotoma River and uh, did a backflip off of it. And uh, he tried to get me to do it. I was like, no way, man. No way, man. <laughs> and the irony of it was this friend had broken his neck. Imagine that as uh, when he was in high school. So <laughs> Seems like a pattern there. <laughs> it yeah. was. But, uh, man, he's an adventurous guy. But, he, uh, yeah, he loved doing a, a backflip off of there. But you never know what's underneath that water, too. So particularly in a river uh, or stream, uh, or even a lake, you know, at the reservoir, Mississippi, uh, Ross Barnett Reservoir, other reservoirs. You just don't know what's uh, floating underneath there, and it would be, uh, it's way too easy to, to get hurt. You mentioned other critters that are in there and in the uh, in the ocean, even if the water looks like it's clean. Uh, you know, certainly you're going to, if you're playing in it, you're going to get it in your mouth. Uh, and so pay attention to uh, beach warnings where you're going. Um, the, a big one that comes up with questions that I have of families going on vacations is, hey, is it going to be safe going to this beach? And really, you can go online to the uh, state's website and look at their uh, – usually most states will have a department of, of uh, waterways, fisheries uh, that can – that will post things like that about different beaches if, if they – and they test the water regularly so that they know it's if it's safer. There's always not 100 uh, percent safe, but um, – you know, sometimes there's an organism called Vibrio. This is one of the ones that can cause bad skin infections, particularly uh, if you have someone whose immune system is not working appropriately. So if you have a child that, you know, has chronic infections, if they have an autoimmune disease, if you have an older individual that may be getting treatment for cancer or, you know, their immune system's not working appropriately, maybe they have diabetes is another one uh, that would put them at increased risk. And really, it it gets in through the through a cut in the skin or an abrasion in the skin, uh, but it can cause a lot of damage and make you sick. Uh, mm-hmm. We've seen some some really sick people with that. Uh, so that's you know just keep in mind, watch out where you're going, and uh, obey those signs. If it says this beach is not safe, then don't get in the water. Uh, and of course, I have to bring up my phobia of sharks. Uh, so if you, you know, I think, you know, Dr. Bridges mentioned these are wild areas. These mm-hmm. are natural habitats that have a lot of other stuff in them. Be aware of that. Uh, you definitely want to, want to be aware, but the water itself is the biggest thing. Uh, you know, if you talk about injuries and deaths, um, that is probably the biggest risk factor, uh, undercurrents that you can't necessarily see, particularly if you're not, uh, familiar with, with reading that water, 
the way a lot of people do that, that live around it. Um, you just got to respect that. And, uh, and, you know, whatever you're, you, you're comfortable with or you're comfortable with your kids doing, I just would be very careful with that. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. We're talking about summer safety issues this morning. You can give us a call with your questions or comments by calling uh, 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or send us an email to kids at mpbonline.org. Let's go to Mikey in Mobile. Good morning, Mikey. Hey, good morning. Um, uh, I was listening to your show, even though I'm not currently in charge of um, little monkeys. Um, <laughs> um, uh, Are they I, in charge uh, of you, Mikey? Oh, Have always, man, yeah. always. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, even from a distance. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, how can you help but love them? Um, we all were them and or are them. You right, know? right. Um, uh, my, my question, though, is regarding... Uh, as usual, your show has so much fascinating information. Are the um, it, water exposures, whether it's beach, river, uh, you know, those the natural water exposures, has the increase in human population increased the amount of uh, exposure to diseases? Yeah, that's a great question because we change waterways by what we do in them uh, and, you know, what happens to them. So I think your question, it brings up a, cover, a couple of different issues that, that come to my mind. Um, let's take pools first. So, you know, public pools, you got more people in there. Just saw an article that the AAP, AAP put out about increased risk of uh, coliform bacteria. So these are bacteria that live in your colon, live in the intestines that normally you don't get exposed to water uh, usually if you have a chlorinated pool or one, even if it's sort of across, you know, saltwater hybrid type pool situation and your filtration system is good, there's, there's not a whole lot of risk there, but you start putting more and more and more people in there, particularly younger kids that may not have the best hygiene, um, that's going to increase your risk. So water parks are another place that we're starting to see an increase of those kinds of things. Now, natural waterways. Uh, there's two two different types, you know, of of exposures. If you have a lot of people in there, that's even even if it's if they're concentrated. Like if you take a beach where you have thousands of people that go in and out of that water, most of the time the problem is not a transmittal from a human to another human. It's what's already in that water. So if you're talking about bacteria, like we mentioned, Vibrio is one. That's one that's native to those areas, and because of different conditions in the water. And that can be temperature or other type, you know, chemical variations in the water. Those bacteria uh, might, during certain times of the year, be in a lot greater numbers. Uh, so, you know, to my knowledge, we don't do anything from the bacteria standpoint. It's not it's not an increased risk just because those waters are so big. Uh, things get sort of sort of diluted out, even if you're in close proximity. Now, chemicals are a whole different, you know, a whole different uh, bag. So. I was looking at uh, maybe, you know, a, a trip in the, in the future in different states uh, of kayaking. And uh, a lot of most states will put out what's safe to do. I like to fish and kayak. Those are my two, two of my, you know, summer activities I like doing. And um, particularly on fishing, you know, you have to worry about what's upstream 
that's putting stuff in the water. So most states will test even some smaller streams to see what the concentration of things that are nasty that you don't need to be getting in contact with, like PCBs and mercury, uh, that, you know, if you're going to be, particularly if you're going to be doing something like fishing in those waters, you want to be careful with and know what's in it. Um, so that would be the two things I would think of. From a bacteria standpoint, not as much. When we start talking about pools with large numbers of people or water parks, yeah, you're going to be exposed to a lot more things from other people. But then there's also the issue of, you know, what's in a stream or a, a river. Uh, and you, you, it's pretty easy to find that stuff online. So for all those uh, little monkey questions that you mentioned, Mikey, that's uh, that's what I would think, you know, about increasing population. Certainly we change the environment. We change different things about it. Uh, and, and when you redirect a lot of the water flow in a lot of these areas, you change what's in it, too. So uh, thanks. Thanks for that question. That's a good uh, that's a good thing to bring up. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. I'm Dr. Jimmy here with our special guest, Dr. John Bridges, and we're talking about summer safety. So any kind of safety questions you have, we've got plenty of time for you to call in. Or if you have any other questions about the health of your family, give us a call this morning at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email us at kids at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back after this break. Standing member of MPB Think Radio, we appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by the generous support from you, our listeners. You count on MPB News for in-depth coverage of issues that matter to you. The state's ongoing opioid epidemic. A bill to allow guns in churches. The child welfare crisis. And the best radio newscast in the state. Those are just a few of the stories behind 10 new Associated Press Awards and another Edward R. Murrow Award. For the award-winning coverage you've come to expect, count on us. We are MPB News. We are MPB News. We are MPB News. We are MPB News. News you can trust in radio built around you. Mississippi Public Broadcasting. This is Southern Remedy, Kids and Teens with Dr. Jimmy Stewart. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, kids at mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. I'm Dr. Jimmy here with Dr. John Bridges. We're talking about summer safety, some of the things that you need to look out for to ensure that your summer is the safest one possible for you and your children. Plenty of time for you to ask us some questions. So give us a call today at 1-877-MPB-RING. 
That's one 672 or send an email to kids at mpbonline.org. So let's move from the pool and from the house out into the great outdoors. So, uh, you know, what about going out? A lot of people would go hiking. Uh, a lot more people hiking these days than I think there were 10 or 20 years ago. Uh, but when you do that, when you move out of your yard and into the wild, uh, there's a lot of things that can pop up, and particularly you have to take into account what's out there this time of year. Um, and in, in Mississippi, even in your yard, this is about the time in May and June when we see rises in some of those what we call insect vectors. So those are, are arthropod vectors. So those would be ticks, fleas, uh, all those things that sort of move in, particularly ticks this time of year. Just conditions are, are ripe for them to multiply. If you have pets, uh, you know, if you think about this from an infectious disease standpoint, all pets do is they transmit or help those those nasty things that ticks can spread get to you. Uh, I love pets, but if you just need to think of it that way. So sometimes if you prevent them in your pets, you can at least decrease your your um, uh, risk there. And, you know, if you got kids, I know my kids, they all the time during the summertime, they've already the other day they came in and each one of them had a tick at a different place on their uh, in their head, and it's amazing where these things can, how they can get on you, uh, and not even know it. Uh, but but ticks are something to keep in mind. Uh, you know, if you're talking about going in the outdoors, hiking or camping, um, you know, what are some of the things that you wanna you wanna recommend to your kids, Doctor Bridges, as our families? Uh, so when you're going outdoors, the things you're worried about are, are what you're getting exposed to, right? That's different from when you're sitting in your air conditioning uh, at home, and so. Uh, bugs are good things to think about and um, other animals and then sun you're exposed to the sun um, when you're out too so having the appropriate gear uh, which doesn't mean you need to go spend hundreds of dollars at REI or at you know Bass Pro Shop they are having a sale now they have an (laughs) online sale but but you can actually do a lot of this at home uh, just with stuff you already have but for sun exposure the things that you want to uh, you know, before you even think about sunscreen, you should think about trying to cover up with, uh, you know, light layers um, and covering as much of your body from the sun as possible, especially if you're going to be out there for most of the day. Uh, so light layers that are a, a fine weave of cloth, so you can't see light through them, so it'll block most of that sun um, are great to do. They make a lot of different types of athletic shirts that are, st- <clears throat> excuse me, cool, but still, uh, you know, give you lots of good sun coverage. Uh, these days. And then wearing a hat um, is important too. A wide brimmed hat is is my personal favorite because it gives your neck um, some some coverage as well as your face. Uh, but doing that and, and then sunscreen uh, as well as sunglasses, those are both important things to help, uh, you know, minimize your exposure to those harmful UV rays when you're out uh, experiencing nature, especially during this time of year in the summer. Don't, don't forget about those young kids, too. So if, if you keep in mind that most of the damage to your skin that can affect your risk for skin cancer occurs, uh, you know, earlier than 18 years of age. So the most damage you can do is as a kid and as a teen. Uh, and those not, may not be times that you think about that. There are certainly safe sunblocks uh, for, for your kids. But, you know, I'm glad Dr. Bridges mentioned, you know, the clothing issue and hats. Those are certainly the best thing. If you can block those rays from getting to your skin, uh, then you don't have to use as much in different areas. Um, But sunblock is is certainly uh, safe. There are different types. 
in my book, the simpler the, the sunblock, the better. So the least amount of ingredients, probably some of the best is zinc oxide. That's the thick stuff. You know, back in the day, uh, when I was a teenager or a kid, it was really popular. They had all these different colors of zinc oxide. So I think all of us look like Zach Morris at the beach out there uh, with the with the with our hairstyles and our you know we'd we'd uh, have all these different designs that you would put on. Uh, so those do work. Zinc mm-hmm. oxide works, and they do have some that aren't opaque. You can't really see. I mean, you can actually see through them, uh, but it's it's a little bit thicker uh, layer of protection. Don't forget, you do have to reapply. So those things, even if they're waterproof, they're not going to stay on all day long. You need to reapply and and make sure you do that in your kids. They're gonna they're gonna complain and say, "Oh, mom, dad, I don't want to do this," but uh, make it's them come in to reapply. Better than the complaints of a sunburn later on. Absolutely, right? so, absolutely. And that's every every two hours is is the standard amount that um, you should wait before you reapply. Or if uh, you or your kids get wet or sufficiently sweaty uh, that it's it's wiped off most of that, you reapply after that after kind of toweling off and getting dry again. And that zinc oxide is it can sometimes be an easier sell to kids with all those colors. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you can kind of get them invested in, in putting it onto a little bit uh, something fun, especially when you're at the beach and things like that. So. I know, uh, you know, our biggest area that we as a family that we, you know, probably don't do a good job in, in reapplying is when you're out playing, say, volleyball. You go for the ball and, you you know, you, you're diving in the sand and that abrasion to your skin, even though, you know, it's not – it's going to rub that sunblock off over mm-hmm. time. So usually I, my family makes fun of me because I have all these different patterns uh, to of sunburn coming back from the beach <laughs> of either areas that I neglected to to cover uh, appropriately or that I've, I've rubbed off because I like doing stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, sunblock is important with the sun. And, and you're right. Once you get that uh, burn, it is miserable for the rest of the time. Uh, families will ask, what's the best thing to treat a sunburn? Uh, a lot of different home remedies that are out there. Really, anything that's going to feel cooling on the skin uh, and provide sort of a moisturizer. So any type of moisturizing lotion uh, would be better. Now, the ones with, if you look on the ingredient list and they have some type of alcohol in it, it's going to feel good when it co- goes on because it, the alcohol will evaporate over time. Uh, so it's going to feel cool. However, it will dry out the skin more than the ones that don't have that in it. Um, so just keep that in mind. Uh, aloe vera is one that people, you know, it doesn't breathe quite as much. Just the plain aloe vera uh, remedies that you, you can get over the counter. Uh, those are okay. I mean, it's, it's again, it's mainly just the moisturizing effect. Can't say enough about drinking fluids, too, out in the, out in the sun. Um, particularly if you get a sunburn, your skin's one of its main jobs as an organ is to hold in water. Uh, so it's it's a you know a sack to hold in water, and if it, you get a sunburn, even if it's a mild sunburn, you're losing more water than you normally would, and you may not feel that if you're out there, particularly if the wind's blowing. So that's probably one of the best ways to treat a sunburn and stay hydrated. And that's particularly important the younger the child is. So you know if you've got a kid that's under a year old that got a sunburn, you need to talk to you know call your doctor up just because it's so easy for. Um, kiddos that small to lose fluid to their skin like that uh, any kid less than six months uh, really shouldn't be in direct sunlight at all um, if you can help it uh, but then 
you know, as the kid gets older, that's when sunscreen and wearing those types of garments that we talked about are, are what comes into play. And so when you're buying sunscreen, like Dr. Stewart said, the fewer ingredients, uh, the better probably. Uh, and we get a lot of questions about what SPF to use. And so that's a rating uh, for for how much uh, blockage of those UV rays occurs. Um, and the studies that we've done so far have shown that you get the best bang for your buck between SPF of 15 and 50. Anything past that is uh, pretty small fries as far as those higher SPFs. Uh, so as long as you're getting at least 15, uh, that's that's where the money's at. And, you know, the other thing, too, about the sun is, uh, you know, people will say, well, my kids have they have a different skin tone. So what if you're you know, it doesn't matter if you're African-American or if you've got sort of a Mediterranean type. I mean, anybody can get can get burned. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it, it may be a little more protective, but you can still if you're staying out there for long periods of time. Uh, it's a cumulative effect, so it's a good idea to put that on. And the big thing to remember is that, you know, a sunburn is miserable, so it's your kid and, and you are going to have to deal with that immediately. But the big thing that we worry about sun exposure with is your long-term cancer risk uh, goes up dramatically um, the more times you have those those significant burns. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. We're going to take our last break. When we come back, still got time for any kind of questions that you have about summer safety so uh, please give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring that's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four we'll be right back after this break Disconnected youth, is it a public health crisis? If a kid is not working or not in school, what are they doing? They may be sitting at home, basically not giving back to society, and it has long-term consequences. How Phoenix re-engaged thousands of young people. That's next time on The Takeaway from WNYC and PRI, Public Radio International. Today at 2 on MPB Think Radio. Your home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy, Kids and Teens with Dr. Jimmy Stewart. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, kids at mbbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. I'm Dr. Jimmy here with Dr. John Bridges, and we're talking about summer safety, all those kinds of things that are out there for you you and your kids waiting at the door, right? <laughs> Go outside. Things will be waiting for you. 
We want you to have fun this summer, so we've been talking about some of the ways that you can protect your children and family. Uh, would love to hear any kind of uh, question that you have. If you, can, if you uh, can't uh, call us today, please email us. Uh, the number to call, though, is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can email us at kids at mpbonline.org. So we mentioned ticks and fleas, but certainly we don't want to leave out mosquitoes. Um, it seems like that's an all-season-long, all-year-long problem here in the South. Right, but, at least here, yeah. Uh, but and right now, um, man, last night when I got home, um, uh, it was like mosquitoes on steroids, <laughs> or they were starving for some reason. They were coming after me. I heard them coming. I looked around, and there was a swarm of them. It was a concerted effort to <laughs> drain me dry. Uh, but along with all those mosquito problems comes other infections too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some of the things that we – what are some of the reasons why we want to, you know, not get bit by a mosquito? Yeah, so, uh, you know, when we think about insects, we think about bites and stings. And so uh, an insect that bites is using some apparatus within or around its mouth uh, to cause you stress uh, versus a sting. It's using something at the tail end, a stinger. Um, And so the reason that bites are of more import or, you know, or or more notable is that they can transmit diseases uh, from those. And so things like West Nile virus, like Zika virus that we've been hearing about a lot in the news lately. Um, That's what we worry about with mosquito stings. Not only is it just a nuisance, but there's, you know, as a disease vector, um, there's also something to be uh, worried about in that regard. And I know we're on the way over here. We were talking about uh, a friend of yours who is now pregnant and they Mm -hmm. were uh, originally had uh, had a cruise lined up. And well, I mean, what are some of the risks if you're pregnant? Because um, certainly there's a lot of stuff in the news about Zika and lots of other things out there. Yeah. So since Zika is so uh, relatively new on the world stage, we we don't know everything about it, uh, but we know that there's a correlation between Zika infections uh, during pregnancy and something called microcephaly, which is where your uh, child is born with a smaller head uh, than usual, significantly smaller head than usual. Um, that has its own set of neurologic complications um, that that child and that parent would have to deal with uh, later on down the road. So so main, mainly it's about exposure, too. So in areas that you know are going to have Zika, if you're pregnant, what's generally recommended is you, if, if it's something that's optional, you might want to delay that until after. Uh, or if you're a male, uh, you know, and your your wife or or girlfriend about getting pregnant. If you're thinking yeah. about getting pregnant, either for male or female. In the and in the male in particular, it can stay there in their body for six months. Yeah. Six months. Mm-hmm. So that's a long time. So that's another risk that we have to deal with. Uh, mosquito repellents are generally safe. There's lots of different things out there. If you don't like DEET, which DEET is the one that has the probably the best data as far as uh, you know repelling those little nasty critters. Uh, there are some other things. Um, a eucalyptus, uh, mm-hmm. lemon, lemon eucalyptus, lots of other uh, native things that, that, that you sort of uh, uh, put together that um, that can at least decrease it. Some of those have been studied up against DEET and do just about as well. Uh, but uh, check that out. Make sure your kids aren't out there uh, getting uh, uh, little pin cushions all mm-hmm. over them because uh, that's not uh, that's not fun to deal with either. But definitely need to think about mosquitoes as you go outside and trying to avoid those if at all possible. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I want to thank our special guest, Dr. John Bridges, for being here with us to talk about summer safety. 
Southern Remedy Kids and Teens is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, Think Radio, and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from listeners like you. Today's show was engineered by Jay White. Uh, I'm Dr. Jimmy, and you can join us Thursday at 11 for Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. And stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now coming up next on MPB Think Radio. Mm-hmm.